Well, what a tough act to follow with the cup illustration and a dance. And I think the only way to do that is to cue up the sound man and get Pastor Doug Vogley to get back down here and do some interpretive dancing for me for all of them. What do you guys say? Just throw on whatever song you want, DJ. We'll figure it out. What a tough act to follow. Hey, it's great to be back for night two. I understand we have some first-timers at camp with us that just arrived today. Maybe some people who left. And so just a really quick introduction. This is a picture of my family behind me. This is my wife, Steph. My little girl, Everly. She's off to Kids Church. They're here with me. And then my son, Malachi, who's here as well. We're at camp all the way through Friday. I'm a Minnesota boy, born and raised. Grew up here. This is the camp uh, I grew up going to for many years. And uh, the last thing I'll mention before we get into tonight's message is I wrote my first ever book called Death to Life. And it's in the back there. If you have walked through divorce, uh, drugs, alcohol, affairs, you've seen cancer rip apart a home, you've seen death, uh, anything that you've grown up in, anything like that, I wrote this book for you. Uh, and so I have some copies available on the back. Uh, but tonight I'm preaching a message titled, From Pain to Purpose. From Pain to purpose. And if you're with me, if you could stand with me tonight for the reading of God's Word. Uh, if you know, if you've ever noticed, um, every person, they have a style to themselves. Every person has their own style. Some of you, you love your eggs scrambled. Some of you, you love your eggs over medium, okay? Some of you love to go on a boat and fish. Some of you hate the thought of even touching a fish. We all have our own style. Some of you love the Minnesota Vikings. Some of you hate the Minnesota Vikings, okay? Some of you, some of you love really good cheese curds. Some of you hate cheese curds. We all have different styles. It's what makes us us and what makes us unique. Well, the Apostle Paul has his own style. And whenever you know it's him writing, you know it's him writing because whenever Paul would write letters, the first half of his letters were really rich in theology, who Jesus is, how amazing Jesus is, really rich in understanding God. The second half of his letters were really practical. Now that we know about Jesus, now that we know about who he is and who Christ is, now here's how I want you to live. So Paul has this style of writing. You can see it across all of his letters. Tonight, I'm going to be taking you into the practical application from the book and the letter of Ephesus. Paul gives a rich theology of Christ, Ephesians 1 through 3, and then Paul begins to step on some toes starting in Ephesians chapter 4. And if it's okay with you, tonight I'm going to step on some toes, and you're like, last night you already did that. Yeah, I know. We got more toes to step on. But here's the deal. God's word is amazing, isn't it? It brings the direction, the correction, and the teaching in our life. And so tonight, we're going to pick up in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 31. It says this. It says, get rid, this is very practical, very practical. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. I like that one. That sounds nice. 
be kind and compassionate to one another. Oh, I like that one. That one sounds great. I can do that one. Forgiving each other. I don't know about that one. Not sure I like that one, Paul. Why'd you put that one in there? I liked where you were going. Be kind and compassionate. I like that part. But the whole forgiving each other, I don't know about that one. Just as in Christ God forgave you, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus, I thank you that your word is going to do the work. God, I thank you that tonight is going to be a powerful night in your presence. Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. Everybody sit. Amen. Give it up for God's words. You can have a seat. Anybody here ever have a painfully embarrassing moment in your life? Anybody? Someone in the back. One hand. Great. Anybody else? You just had a painfully embarrassing moment in your life. Yeah, we all have them. Just recently, I was preaching in uh, New Jersey, and a couple hundred kids at this conference, and I encountered one of these embarrassing moments. It's at the end of my message, a couple hundred kids are on their knees at the altar, they're going after Jesus, there's kind of, the band is playing silently behind, and uh, I decide to walk off the stage, and as I, was, as I was walking off the stage and I stepped, I noticed this gray platform area over here. And I'm just like, well, that's my step down the stairs. I'm just going to step on it to get off so I can go give the microphone to the youth pastor. The kids are head bowed, eyes closed. They're all at the front, right up along here. The band's playing quietly. And as I take a step, I, I realize it's not a step but it's just a cover that's covering a guitar amp. And so I literally step on it and I go face forward and I face plant smack real hard right on the ground. The microphone smashes on the ground and all the kids that had a serious moment with Jesus were now all staring at the guest speaker who just biffed it off the stage. All these kids are staring at me. I just ate it. And then the tech people were freaking out, like, oh, my word, the speaker biffed it. The sound people in the back, they saw it all happen. Oh, my word, he just stepped on that. Can you believe what just happened? He's on the ground. He's writhing in pain. <laughs> They're all watching it. And then look at how crafty the tech people were. I come out to preach the next service, and they put a picture on it. <laughs> Who's that picture for? Who would they... Who would they write that for? Me. They wrote it for me. Because the only person who knew it wasn't a step was me. So they made that sign and put a big X over the guitar amp cover. Not a step. Well, thank you, tech people. Thank you. We all have painfully embarrassing moments. And sometimes in the pain of it, we wonder, what's the purpose to it? Why do I have to walk through that? Now, I have a poll for the audience, okay? Do you want the youthy version, like the young person version? Or do you want the adulty version, like the stoic adult version? By uh, cheering, I need to know if you want the youthy version or the adulty. Let's do youthy first. Youth? <laughs> Who wants the adulty version? 
All right, youth. All right, we're going youth. Sorry, adults. We're going youth. They beat you. You, you had your shot. You could have screamed. Okay? So here's the deal. For me, growing up, I had a ton of embarrassing moments. And the reason being is because I'm super short. Okay? I still am. Very short. And so much so that I was so short that in middle school, girls would look at me walking down the hallway at school. And they'd be like, oh, my word. Look at Look at how small he is. He's so small. I could just put him in my backpack and carry him around. I was short, y'all. Very short. So much so that I was known in my school that when it was a girl's birthday, they would come find me, these girls would, they'd come find me and they'd say, hey, tomorrow's my friend's birthday. Would you show up to school early so we can put you in her locker? So that when she opens the locker, you just stick your head out and go, happy birthday. And you be the birthday surprise for her. Would you do that, Micah? Would you do it? My whole middle school career consisted of me being the locker birthday celebration boy. <laughs> happy birthday. It was more like, happy birthday. Small little runt of a guy, small one, small child, me. So these girls, about five of them, walk up to me after school one day. Micah, would you? Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'll be there. Tell me what time. 7 a.m. Perfect, I'll be there. 7 a.m., this is going to be my 20th locker celebration of the year. 20. I get in the locker. I'm like, well, I've done this before. And I'm in the locker, and I realize the first bell goes off. No one's coming. Thank you for feeling bad for me. Thank you. No one's coming. The bell goes off. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not the way I want to die. I don't want to die in a locker. So I'm knowing that when the final bell rings, I'm going to kick and scream in this locker until somebody gets me out of here. So it's dark in there, but there's streamers because these girls, they decorate their lockers. There's streamers hanging down. There's glitter falling all over my face. And I'm staring at pre-puberty Justin Bieber pictures right in front of me. You know, they're young girls. So I'm staring at Justin Bieber, and I'm wondering, when in the world are these girls going to show up so I can do my happy birthday surprise and get on with the day? And then I hear a group of girls walking down the hall, and immediately I know they have arrived, and now's my moment to shine. And if you've ever wondered what a group of girls sound like walking down the hall, they sound like a pod of dolphins. It's just like. <laughs> sound like a pod of dolphins walking down the hall. Know what I've never understood? Is why do ladies have to all walk in packs together? Why do ladies need to go to the bathroom in groups and pods? So there I am, I'm in the locker and the girl She's coming and she does the locker combination. She opens up the locker. I go, surprise! She got so scared. She took her fist and went, <laughs> got punched in the face. I got punched in the face by a middle school girl. And here's the deal. We all walk through moments of pain in our life, all of us. 
But if we don't let God assign the purpose to it, Satan will. If we never let God assign purpose to the pain you and I have walked through, Satan is so crafty at finding a way to assigning value for you. You know what I love about scripture? Is it literally tells me that Micah and everybody in the room, you are saved by grace through faith. And there is nothing you can do to earn the salvation of Jesus. You will never be good enough. You'll never be smart enough. No, 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 don't miss this. There is nothing you can ever do to earn your salvation, but salvation is a free gift offered to us through faith by grace. Anybody thankful for the salvation of Jesus? That's a free gift for all of us. Yeah, we love that. Oh, we're thankful for that. But what about the next verse that talks about our life? That he says, for you are Christ's worksmanship. You're his handiwork. You are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works prepared in advance for you to walk in. Y'all, we love the salvation part. I was once an enemy of God. I was once a notorious sinner. But his grace saved me, refined me, sanctified me. But y'all, don't you ever forget, there's another section to that passage that also says Christ has good works prepared in advance for you to walk in. And your mom can't walk in those plans for your life. Your husband can't walk in those plans for your life. No, these are plans for his purposes, for his glory, that he's prepared in advance for you to walk in. But you want to know the number one way Satan gets a whole church to never walk in their purposes? Pain. Because if I'm Satan, what I'm looking to do is to do everything I can to destroy marriages. If I'm Satan, I'm doing everything I can to destroy covenants. If I'm Satan, I'm doing everything I can to get black to hate white, white to hate black. If I'm Satan, I'm getting this whole next generation confused about their identity, confused about sexuality. If I'm Satan, I'm trying to get as many fatherless kids that I can get. If I'm Satan, I'm trying to get moms abandoned to the children. If I'm Satan, I'm doing everything I can to wreak havoc in families. If I'm Satan, I'm doing everything I can to get people to hate one another, bicker one another. If I'm Satan, I'm doing everything I can to get the church divided, not unified. If I'm Satan, I'm doing everything I can to tear down pastors, churches, and people in churches. Because here's why. If I can get you stuck in your pain and get you to become bitter in the midst of it, you will never walk out in the God-given purposes of your life. And Christ came not to have us stay stuck in pain, but Christ came to flip our pain into the God-given purposes for his glory and his plans. Tonight, I want to equip us as a church on how we move forward into stepping into God's purposes for our life and allowing God to get the glory in the story. And number one, it's this, if you're taking notes. God's called his church to become a garbage man. To become a garbage man. The text says in Ephesians 4.31, get rid of, get rid of, Bitterness, anger, rage, brawling, slander, gossip, malice, every form of it, get rid of it. And that Greek word, get rid, it's this Greek word called airo. You know what it means? It means literally this, to pick it up 
and to bring it to a different location. So what the Apostle Paul is saying is he's saying, get rid of all bitterness, anger, rage, brawling, slander, gossip, malice, get rid of all of it. Literally pick it up and bring it to a different location. You know what a garbage man is really good at doing? A garbage man is really good at showing up at your house every single week. And what they're really good is grabbing your garbage that you put out and bringing it to a different location. Going to the next house, grabbing it, and bring it to a different location. And here's what God's called you and I to do. Is he's never called us to be garbage containers that hold on to offense, that hold on to hurt, that hold on to pain. God never called us to harbor any of it. Instead, God called us to be really good at getting rid of the garbage and being full of his spirit and full of faith. You are not to meant to consume garbage. You are not meant to consume things of this world that will steal, kill, destroy the very faith and purposes God has for your life. But so many of us, we keep holding on to garbage, expecting different results and outcomes in our life. And Christ has called you and I to get rid of the very thing that's consuming us. Because what you feed on will come out in your life. What you put your eyes upon, what you put your mind to, will come out in other areas in our life. And some of us are walking around holding garbage every single day in our life. And Christ has said, when are you going to step up and be a man, grab the garbage and get rid of it? Bring it to a different location. Because we were never meant to be garbage containers. We were meant to be containers full of his Holy Spirit. And there is a reason why his name is holy. Because holiness and garbage, they don't coexist. Either one is filling us or one is outside of us. And God's called us to become a garbage man. Pick it up and bring it to a different location. The other day... I was driving my van down the highway. My wife was next to me and my two kids were in the back, going about 60 miles an hour. And in front of me is this truck. And in the back of this truck is all these garbage bags. Bunch of garbage bags in the back of the truck. And as I'm driving, I notice as he's in front of me, all these garbage bags are flying out of the back of his truck. I'm honking my horn. I'm trying to get this guy's attention. Hey! trying to flash my high beams because garbage is coming everywhere. I'm trying to maneuver my van. I'm trying to get out of the way. I'm honking at this horn. And then it hit me. If we don't deal with the garbage in our life, it won't just impact us, but it gets out on everybody else around us. And I'm called to literally pick it up and bring it to a different location. And there's been some sin in our life that's been ruining us, that we've been hiding, that's been destroying us. And y'all, it ain't Jesus' job. No, Christ has conditioned and commanded you to pick it up and bring it to a different location. Until we get radical about the very sin trying to destroy our lives, we will never see the freedom Christ purchased for us. And he's called us to become garbage man, to bring it to a different location. And then number two, he's called us to become a forgiver. Become a forgiver. Forgive each other. Just as Christ God forgave you. You mean I'm supposed to forgive my ex who left me? Yeah. You mean I'm supposed to forgive my best friend who backstabbed me? Yeah. You mean I'm supposed to forgive my son who did this to me? Doesn't want to do anything with my family? Yeah. 
You mean I'm supposed to forgive this very person who ruined my marriage? Yeah. You mean I'm supposed to forgive my husband who keeps looking at pornography at night and is ruining things? I'm just supposed to forgive him? You mean I'm supposed to do that? Yeah. You mean I'm supposed to forgive my grandparents who did this to me? Yeah. You mean I'm supposed to forgive the very person when at the age of four this showed up in my life and took place in my life? I'm just supposed to forgive them? Yeah. Because here's why. If you do not forgive those who hurt you, Jesus cannot forgive you of your sins. And he teaches us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Here it is. Every day he taught us to pray this way. God, forgive me of my trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then how he finishes the prayer, he doubles down and he says this, if you do not forgive those who hurt you, my Father in heaven cannot forgive you of your sins. Here's what it looks like when we choose unforgiveness. When pain shows up in your life and someone hurts you and you choose not to forgive, it's like you all of a sudden tie a cord of the very offense that happened in your life. And it's like this cord of offense is wrapped around you. Let's just say, for example, this person hurt me, did something to me, okay? You notice how my offender, how instead of choosing to forgive, I've actually held on to the cord of offense? Like I'm literally holding on to it. And have you noticed that my offender isn't even looking at me? He doesn't even see me, doesn't even notice me, he's not even thinking about me. Oftentimes the very people who hurt us aren't sitting up at night thinking about us. But because I've chosen to not forgive the very person who've hurt me, now I've chosen to tie a cord around my life to hold the offender real close to me. And now he becomes my master. Now I start talking like him. Now I start doing the things that I said I'd never do. Now I start looking like him. And know what happens? Is his actions end up impacting me. I see him in public at the grocery store. I'm trying to get away. I see something he posts on social media. I'm trying to get away. Someone talks about it, I'm trying to get away. His name comes up in a conversation, I keep trying to get away. It's like he keeps reoccurring in my thought life. He keeps reoccurring every now and then when I see him in public. And here I am trying to break free. Here I am trying to get away. And what keeps happening? I keep getting pulled to him, here's why. You were never called to be tied to an offender you were called to be tied to your Savior. You were never called to hold on to the court of offense. And this is what ends up happening. Because I choose not to become a forgiver. Now, no, it's really easy to lash out on people because I'm angry. And now what happens in my life is I start lashing out on people because anger fills my life. And then gossip becomes really easy, y'all. Because now my number one goal is to destroy his life. Because he destroyed mine, because he did something to ruin my life, now I want his life ruined. I want him to feel the same pain. I want him to feel the same hurt. I want him to endure the same rejection. If he messed me up, I want him messed up. So now my number one goal is to destroy his reputation. 
And then it turns into some addiction. And now I got an addiction that nobody else knows about, just me. And it serves really well as a mask for the pain that so easily crept in my life that happened four years ago with this guy right here. And after a while, I can carry these bags. I can. After a while, I can just hold on to all these things just fine. And I can walk into family camp and you will never know I'm carrying these bags in my life. But then you want to know what happens? Is I come into a camp setting like this and I hear a message like this. I say, oh God, would you forgive me of my anger? God, would you forgive me of my gossip problem? God, would you forgive me my addiction? And you know what Jesus says back to me? Son, I can't. Hold on, Jesus. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, you are faithful and just to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. If I confess my sins to you, why would you go back on your promise? But son... My word also says, I cannot forgive you of your sins if you do not forgive those who hurt you. Well, there's no way I'm forgiving him. You want to know what happens? Is after a while I can carry this. But after that, I start walking with the limp. And then I start having chronic migraines every night. And now I'm losing sleep. And now I'm on drugs every single day, all because of me being tied to an offender that I was never called to be tied to. And this is the picture that so many of us can live our lives in. In these last two years, I've seen more offense than anything else. These last two years, I've seen marriages end that seem strong. These last two years, I've watched husbands give up on families. These last two years, I've watched people hold on to major rage, bitterness, anger, and gossip so much. And this is exactly what we look like. I need to stop my whole message right here. This is for someone you need to hear what I'm about to say. The very pain that you've walked in is real and it's validated. The things that you encountered and the things that you've experienced is validated and it's real. But this message tonight, it might not be for all 1,100 people in this room, but this whole message tonight would be planned for you. And you're like, some of y'all, you're sitting here like, oh, another forgiveness message. I was here when Eric did this whole thing, another one. What is God trying to tell you? Because the last time I checked, forgiveness wasn't just a one-time thing. Forgiveness was a needed attribute every single day. And not just every single day, but for me, forgiveness is sometimes an hour by hour thing. Sometimes it's literally a minute by minute thing. God, I forgive them. God, I forgive them. I want to show you exactly what this looks like right here and right now. Because there's people sitting here where you're like, no, I'm never forgiving them. Let me show you how you do this. God, I don't want to forgive my dad. I don't want to forgive my mom. God, I don't want to forgive my ex. You go down the list. God, I can't do it. And he says back, I know. But through my power, you can. Okay, God, I'll try. Jesus, would you give me the power and the strength to forgive my abuser? 
Jesus, would you give me the power and the strength to forgive the very one who said those words? Jesus, would you give me the power and the strength to forgive this teacher who said this? This coach who did this? This boss who did this? God, would you help me forgive my own family member who did this? Not by my might, not by my strength, but by your spirit and by your power. Jesus, in your holy, precious name, God, I forgive James for what he's done to me in Jesus' name. Amen. In the cord of offense that once held you bound and once held you tied, no longer stays in your life. But when you offer a prayer offered up in forgiveness, you now can be free from your offender and be the very person he's called you to become. He's called you and I to be a garbage man. Bring it to another location. And he's called me to become a forgiver. And it's not just a one-time act. It's literally part of my identity as a follower of Jesus. How do I do it? Number three, become like Christ. Become like Christ. Follow God's example, therefore. Walk in the way of love just as he loved you. Have you ever been hurt by a pastor before? Jesus has. Have you ever been hurt by a religious leader in a community? Jesus was hurt by religious leaders. Have you ever been gossiped about? Jesus was gossiped about. Have you ever been falsely accused by somebody? Jesus was falsely accused. Have you ever been abused? Unwillfully? Jesus was abused by mankind. The government and the systems of the world came upon the very back of Jesus. It was the Roman Empire and the governing rulers that decided to follow through even though he tried to wash his hands free of the blood. It was the religious leaders of the day who were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. It was people who hurled insults. It was people who mocked him. It was people who spit on him. It was people that cursed him. It was people that flogged him. It was the most evil, disgusting acts towards another human body anyone could ever witness and see. And when Jesus was on the cross, they decided to put a crown of thorns on his head, put nails in his hands and his feet, and in his greatest moment of hurt, in his greatest moment of pain, it was Jesus who said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And because Jesus decided to offer forgiveness, I can forgive too. Jesus had every right to shun the world, to turn his back on the whole world. But it was this prayer offered in forgiveness that paved the way for me to forgive my offenders too. Because Jesus doesn't hold on to my garbage, 
because Jesus literally removes my sin as far as the east is from the west. Don't worry. I am so sorry. Thank you for forgiving me. Maybe it should be her anyway. It removes my, did she just forgive me? Okay, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Thank you. How in the world do you walk in your God-given purposes that he has for you? I call it my big so what to the whole message. It's this. His forgiveness is the bridge from your pain to your purpose. Don't miss this. Right here is where so many of us stay stuck. This is the moment of pain. This is the moment of rejection, whatever you want to call it. We stay right here. But Christ has offered another way. Christ laid down his life to become a bridge for my feet to step sturdily across, knowing that I can't do it in my strength, but by his power and by his spirit, I can literally take up this act and this choice of forgiveness to leave my pain and to step into his purposes. One of my friends was sex trafficked at a young age. And when she was trafficked, she went from a normal life to literally multiple men a day, multiple people. And for a couple years, she was in this industry against her will, not because of her choice. This young girl was rescued from sex trafficking by some Christians who had it in their heart to rescue girls like her. You wanna know how she was rescued? Because students in the state of Minnesota decided to give to something called Speed the Light that went and found her. When this girl was rescued, she said, why did you rescue me? They were able to share the love of Jesus with this young girl. And this young girl gave her life to Christ. After she gave her life to Christ, the same Holy Spirit who saved her said, I want you to forgive your sex traffickers and I want you to forgive all the men who've used and abused you every day. By his power and by his spirit, she forgave all of her traffickers, her abusers, and then that same Holy Spirit said, I want you to go to your traffickers and I want you to share the gospel with them. She went and found the very people who trafficked her, shared the gospel with them. The two traffickers gave their life to Jesus, left the sex trafficking industry, and the three of them started a church plant and now have a couple hundred people meeting in a village right now every single Sunday worshiping Jesus. Forgiveness is the bridge to move you from pain to purpose. But so many of us never see the glory in the story because we choose to stay right here in our pain. I have one challenge for you tonight, church. You need to choose where you sit. Know what I've noticed? Is when pain shows up, I don't usually go seeking for it, but it just shows up on my doorstep. It's not like I intentionally did something, but here's the deal.
When someone hurts you, when someone offends you, when someone does something to you, you get the choice on where you sit. For some of us, we choose to sit in this chair. You can put up the first slide. We choose to sit in this chair of anger. No, I'm good right here. I'm real comfortable in this chair. I'll just keep being angry. I'll just let this keep being in my life. No, I'm fine. I'm right here. Some of us, we choose to sit in the next chair, and we choose to sit in the chair of gossip. No, really, I actually like this. I enjoy talking about other people's sin. It's really fun. In fact, it makes me feel better about my own sin and my own life when I know somebody else has messed it up for me. Church, we were not called to sit in the chair of gossip. Know what breaks my heart? The number one Christian podcast most downloaded is the church about how a pastor fell from ministry. The rise and fall of Mars Hill. And we love listening to that. We love putting our ears on that. It's like we enjoy those kinds of things. Y'all, I was not called to put my ears into another man's sin and another man's problem. But Micah, I'm just learning what to stay away from. Micah, I'm just learning to look out for things in my own pastor. Y'all, is the word of God not enough to learn? Does God's word not spell it out what we're called to learn from and be watchful for? Do I need some podcast to incessantly listen to the gossip and sins of another man's life to really get my boat floating? Y'all, I am not called to sit in the chair of gossip. But some of us, we love this chair of angry. We love this chair of gossip. And man, it's fun carrying this around. And then some of us, we sit in this chair. Bitterness. Never going to forgive. Never choose to let go. And we've chosen to sit right here. And for some of us, we've chosen this chair. This chair of hurt. You want to know what blows my mind? Is you want to know what's celebrated on social media? Victimhood. No, no, I'm, I'm going to teach all y'all right now real quick. Teenagers, did you know their most liked and most interactive posts have to deal with hurt? And you want to know what that does to a young person? It reinforces the idea that they should stay hurt, always be hurt, and always be a victim. But last time I read my Bible, I was not called to stay in the chair of hurt. I was not called to be a victim. But I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. That he removes me from the pit. That he gives me a way out. I'm not called to stay in the chair of hurt. God has a different story through it all. But some of us, man, we love this chair. And then some of us, we love this chair especially. This chair of media. For hours a day, I'll just scroll and scroll and scroll. And I'm just choosing to place myself in media. Did you know that Hollywood knows the human psychology of your brain? And they know that if they can get you to feel angry, envious, jealous, if you can get to feel some kind of emotion, did you know that you will watch their program longer? So you want to know the media's number one job is in feeding you? Feeding you things that will get your blood boiling, get you angry, get you upset, get you jealous. And some of us, we constantly let the media dictate the narrative in our life. We let the media shape our opinions, shape our thoughts. And we were not called to sit in the chair of media. But the other option I get to choose, the option that Jesus has called me to, is that I get to choose to sit at the feet of Jesus that this is where I sit.
that now when I'm at his feet, I realize something, that I don't need to sit in the chair of hurt because Jesus was pierced for my transgressions that I no longer need to stay in the chair of hurt because he reminds me he was hurt for me so I don't need to stay in the chair of hurt. When I choose to sit in the chair of bitterness and I'm at his feet, Christ reminds me of how much sin he's forgiven me of. He reminds me of what he's cleansed me from that when I'm at the feet of Jesus, I no longer need to choose bitterness. That I no longer have time to let media dictate me because when I'm at the feet of Jesus, I meditate on his word day and night. I let his thoughts be my thoughts. I let his words be my words. I let his renewing of my mind be the priority in my life because the word of God is what I'm called to build my life on. I'm called to build my life on his truth, on his word, my family, my sons, my grandchildren. I will build my life on his word. The media will not shape my viewpoint. My filter and my lens will be what God has to say and his alone. When we sit at the feet of Jesus, it shapes the way we think. And then I realize when I'm at his feet, it's there that I'm healed. When I'm at his feet, it's there that my heart goes from stone to soft. When I'm at his feet, it's there that I'm reminded that everything's going to be okay. And that his purposes are what I want for my life. His purposes are what I want for the rest of my life. When I sit at his feet, he catches every tear. When I sit at his feet, he exchanges my pain for something beautiful that only he can do. Church, we have got to get back to sitting at the feet of Jesus. We get to choose where we sit. I want to give a chance there's anybody here tonight where you're saying, hey, I've been sitting in the wrong chair, sitting in the wrong place, not following Jesus. Tonight, you're saying, hey, I want to give my life to Christ, surrender my life to Jesus. I just want you to come for wherever you are. Just come down front. Just saying, hey, I want to give my life to him. I want to give an opportunity for this. You're not following him not serving Jesus from the balcony to the floor this is the most important part of the whole night right here I just want to give a moment how we're going to end tonight is tonight we're going to get real practical and apply the very message that we just heard I bought a thousand some sheets of paper tonight because a lot of us have a lot of junk that we're carrying and we never have gotten rid of it never taken that step so I'm going to ask for us to respond tonight grabbing a pencil grabbing a sheet, and I literally want you to write out every junk in your life 
every piece of trash, every lie, every bitter root, every person, their name, what they've done. I just want you to write it all out. Take as long as you need. And then I'm going to transition us to a time to choose where we're all going to sit tonight. I'm going to give us a choice on what we do with that garbage. Because Paul says to pick it up and bring it to a different location. And the location I'm going to ask you to bring this trash tonight is when you're done writing, I'm just going to ask you to take this piece. And as you're walking to the altar, I just want you to crumple it up in your hand and make a piece of trash. And I want you to choose to sit at the feet of Jesus. I want you to choose to, by name, forgive those who've hurt. To literally lay it all down. And you can just leave it right here at the altar. But tonight I want us to practice what we heard. I want to practice by bringing it to a different location. Last week there was a 55-year-old lady worked at a district office. She said, for the last 20 years, I didn't realize this was the very thing that's been literally impacting me in my very present moment. She said, this changed my life. Church, tonight we're going to practice it. I have enough pencils for about one per family. So if you brought a pen or a pencil, if you could use it, that would be amazing. Or if you want to share the pencil when you're done with someone, that would be awesome too. We're going to pray for healing tonight. Every night at camp, we're praying for healing. But tonight first, I want to practice letting the Holy Spirit speak to you in the current garbage, the current feeds we've been feeding from, the current roots, the current cords of offenses that we've been tied to. And I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you about those. Because His Holy Spirit leads you into all truth. His Holy Spirit is an advocate, a counselor, and a friend. His Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, not to shame us, but to free us. So when you're ready, I want you to come, grab a sheet, a pencil, find somewhere to go in the sanctuary. I just want you to begin writing, writing it all out. Person's name, trash, lies. When you're ready, I want you to come. Come, come grab a sheet, a pencil. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. You might need to grab more than one sheet. That's fine. It's going to be a powerful moment. The Holy Spirit's faithful to lead this. Jesus, I just ask God for your leading. Holy Spirit, I ask God you'd shine a light in those cords of offenses. I ask God you'd shine a light in the people who've hurt us. God, people in our churches. God, people that have done things to us, God, would you reveal that to us? God, would you show us? Just want you to take time to write it out. There's no rush. There's no major time crunch. I just want you to write out everything God prompts you to write out. He is faithful to show you the sources of garbage. He's faithful to show you the roots of where these things are coming from. It might be a parent, might be a mom, might be a dad, 
might be yourself, to forgive yourself. want you to write out everything that comes to mind because Holy Spirit is so good so faithful can I tell you God made us like onions truly there are things he's healed me of in my 20s and then there's things he's revealed to me even in my 30s where he's like yep that right here that is how good and faithful he is constantly healing, constantly leading us to be more like him. But it's a partnership. It's not just the role of Christ. It's the role that we play in Christ to be obedient, to rid the things that he's called us to rid, to be who he's calling us to be. write out everything that comes to mind. I want you to write down the person's name and what they did and what they said. So the Holy Spirit leads you. Maybe this is your own letter of forgiveness to them. Maybe this is His Holy Spirit in lead you, leading you to write this and offering a prayer of forgiveness. a message on this and I was contemplating not even doing that for the sake but I felt like Holy Spirit said no nope, you need to do it even if this was for one person that's how faithful God is he knows what we need this is powerful everything that comes to mind everything that he's showing you I just want you to write it down It's in these moments that Christ now can deal with this. 
because we finally allow Christ to deal with the cords of offense. If you're done writing, I don't want you to come just yet. If you're done writing, please don't come yet. Just give us a little, little time here. If you need more paper, there's more paper up here. For some tonight, you will watch the physical ramifications play out in your life because of your obedience to Jesus who says to forgive. You will watch weights literally drop off your life. In the physical, you will see that. You watch God bring healing and his freedom. those who are done writing to find a spot at this altar and to literally practice where we're going to choose to sit 